So good to see each of you and to worship with you and just to sing about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. It's an absolute joy. So there's eight seconds on the clock, and your guys on the free throw line, you're up by two. All right, you're up by two. He makes the first one. That's a good thing, right? Whether he makes the next one or not is the difference as to whether you will breathe for the next eight seconds or you will hold your breath for the next eight seconds, right? It's this idea of breathing room, getting enough distance between us and what's after us so that we can actually breathe. Next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about this idea of breathing room. All the principles that we're going to share, I think, can apply to a lot of areas in life. And so when it comes to relationships and a lot of other things, this idea of breathing room, these principles that we're going to share is going to apply. We're going to make a really narrow focus the next couple of weeks with breathing room and talk about having financial breathing room in our life. So for just a moment, if you'll participate, be bold with me. I think church is a lot more fun when we participate and when we interact and when we lean in. And so I've got a question for you. And if this question is true for you, I want you to raise your hand boldly and just keep it raised for just a second. All right. And here's the question. How many of you would say that occasionally or maybe even often you have had some financial stress in your life? Anybody? Look around, you're, look around, you're, look, look around, you're not alone, okay? You're not alone, and if you didn't raise your hand, come on up here and teach, because uh, you got something figured out that I don't have figured out, or maybe you just don't worry at all. The reality is, whether we're looking back in life or we're right in the middle of it right now, financial stress is a reality in the world that we live in. We're going to talk about some of the reasons why we have financial stress we're hopefully going to give you some practical things going to help you get out of this financial stress and to truly experience breathing room. But again, financial stress, it's, it's just kind of normal in our world today. Um, in fact, you look at people and you get to know people and you start leaning into their lives, you start becoming good friends with them, you start realizing that pretty much everybody around you feels the stress of finances. Some of the ways that we're feeling financial stress, some of us are living from paycheck to paycheck. Some of us have credit card debt up to our eyeballs, and we are struggling with the worry and the anxiety and the fear that comes with that. It also results in damaging and or destructing uh, many other uh, parts of our life. Some of you right now, your marriage right now is struggling hard, and one of the big reasons is the financial stress that you have in your life. And to say, to say this is probably uh, like unneeded, but I'm going to say it. We don't want that for you. We don't want your marriage to be experiencing financial stress and no breathing room that you reach a breaking point. We want to speak in your lives in the next couple of weeks, speak some truth, speak some practicality, and some principles that you can apply and can potentially change the direction of your life, maybe your marriage, and your future. So I want us to look at Mark chapter 1 as we lean into Scripture this morning. We're going to look at a story about Jesus, and if you need a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. We'd encourage you to grab one if you need it, and you can find the scripture that we're going to look at on page 828. Mark chapter 1, beginning verse 29. Now think about this for just a moment. Remember who Jesus is. He's not just another guy. He is the Son of God. 
So think about the power that that brings. Think about the prestige that that brings. Think about just the grandeur of who he is. And we're going to see Jesus in a real-life circumstance that I think that we can find ourselves connecting with. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. It says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about her right away. Now, we're witnessing a miracle right here in verse number 30. Simon has a mother-in-law, and he has the power to tell Jesus about her and get her well, or just kind of let it slip his mind and let her go. He loves his mother-in-law so much that he reaches out to Jesus and says, Hey, will you come to my house and heal my mother-in-law? I hope you have a good mother-in-law. I do. I don't call her my mother-in-law. I call mine my mother-in-love. Uh, I just have a sweet lady in my life. Uh, my kids call her CG. She named herself for Crazy Granny, and I call her my mother-in-love. And so anyway, and she's just awesome. So we see um, uh, Simon reaching out here, and they told her about it. Verse 31. So he, Jesus, went to her bedside took her by the hand and helped her sit up. The fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. So maybe we're finding out the reason why he wanted her to be better, right? Like he kept, she kept his belly fed. I mean, she gets better, and she immediately gets up and fixes a meal. It's just an incredible thing that's happening here. Verse 32. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. I mean, you don't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on. People are hearing the story. Word is traveling fast. Hey, Simon's mother-in-law was really sick. Jesus made her better. So if you've got sick people, this guy can make them better. So bring them over. And it says that there are sick people and demon-possessed people that were coming uh, to see Jesus. Verse 33. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. The whole town. You ever feel like that in life? You feel like everybody's pressing in on you. You feel like everybody's wanting something from you. And maybe you have what they need or maybe you don't have what they need, but they're kind of breathing down your neck and you are feeling the claustrophobia just a little bit and the whole town is coming around you. Somebody needs this. Somebody needs you there. You got to go to practice here and you got to make it to work at this time and you got to do this and you got the homework's got to be done for the kids. You're just feeling the pressure of everything going on around you and you potentially are feeling financial pressure in your life in the same way. Look now, verse 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Now, I don't want to get stuck here, but I want to tell you something that's kind of cool. Jesus is really early in his ministry. He's just really starting to go public with, with serving and healing people the way the Father wanted him to do, all God's timing. And really, most people didn't know who Jesus was at this point. They definitely didn't know that he was the Son of God. These demons that were very real, and I believe are very real today, these demons that were possessing these people, Jesus was casting them out, and he was causing them to be mute and not be able to speak because he knew that if they talked about him, they would declare who he was because these demons, these evil beings, knew who Jesus was, and they would declare him as the Son of God, and he was kind of keeping that on the down low for a little while. And if you continue to read the Gospels and the story of Jesus, you, you begin to understand why he was doing that, why he was kind of keeping that down low. But here's what I want us to get that we need to see in our lives as the whole town seemingly is pressing in on us. Look at what Jesus did. The Son of God, who everybody was pressing him for something. Look what he does, does in verse 35. Before daybreak, the next morning, 
Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So Jesus is feeling the pressure. He's feeling the claustrophobia just a little bit. He's feeling all these people needing something from him. He does many things to help them, but he's still feeling it. And so he does something that most people don't do. He gets away from everybody and he has a conversation with God. And I want you to know that if you are feeling this pressure, whether it's financial or any other kind of way, we need to follow the example of Jesus. We call ourselves followers of Jesus, right? Well, here's a place where you can follow the example of Jesus. If you don't have breathing room in your life right now, no matter what the circumstance or situation is, you need to get alone with the Father and have a conversation. You need to get away and pray. Put that in your notes. Get away and pray. When's the last time that you felt the pressure of life And you just said, you know what, I've got to carve out some time, as hard as that is, as difficult as that is, with all the busyness and all the bills and all the stuff going on, but I've just got to get along with God. If Jesus, the perfect son of God, needed to get some breathing room and experience a conversation with the Father, how much more do we who are imperfect, messed up, made all kinds of goofy decisions to land us in some of the spots we're in today, need to get alone and get away and pray and have a conversation with the Father. That's the example that we have here for you. So, some of you are trying to handle your financial stress on your own. Here's my question for you. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? If you were honest, if you're really just messed up in your finances right now, you just have to be just honest and say it's not working great. You're doing what everybody else is doing. You're trying to, you know, just push through and grind through, and it just doesn't really work out well. So we need to have a conversation with our Father. Talk to someone who has answers, who has wisdom and discretion. So when we talk about financial breathing room, what what do we mean by that? Well, let me give you a definition of what we mean by financial breathing room. You can write this down somewhere on your notes. Financial breathing room, or you could call it margin. When we have financial breathing room, We have an amount available, listen to me, an amount available beyond that which is necessary. An amount of money available greater than what is necessary. Now, I know that sounds like pie in the sky to some of you. Like, yeah, if I, you know, like just had a, you know, a windfall of cash, everything would be better. We're not necessarily talking about a windfall of cash right now. I hope it happens for you, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about us stepping back, asking God what we can do, what he wants us to do, so that we then in turn can make better decisions to put ourselves in this kind of place. So let me give you kind of an an idea here, because I know you're smart, so you'll catch on. You're math magicians in the room, so help me out, all right? Let's just say you make $3,000 a month. Now, for some of you, you may say, ooh, I wish I made $5,000, I mean, excuse me, $3,000 a month. For some of you, you may be like, "Uh, $3,000 a month, not that much. But let's go with $3,000, okay? Let's say you make $3,000 a month, and you spend $2,500 a month. At the end of the month, how much money do you have left over? $500, four of you can do math. This is awesome. You think I'm going to like bait you like, right? I'm not going to trick you. It's just a, just a question. Let's say you make $3,000 a month and you spend, this is really easy math, and you spend $3,000 a month. How much money do you have left over at the end of the month? Zero. Good math. That's great. Even the new math works, right? A few of you 
in the room are like, dude, that's nothing. I make $3,000 a month, and I spend $35 every month. I don't know that this two-week sermon series is going to be enough for you, but I hope you're leaning in heavy, all right? This idea of not spending more than we make to the point that we actually spend less than we earn, that creates breathing room. That creates margin. Now, we're getting really personal right now because as I'm talking about spending, uh, we're talking about what you have and what you want and what you like and what you're comfortable with. We're talking about life change right now, aren't we, potentially? Guess what? Jesus is all about changing your life. He wants to affect every area of your life. He talked about money a bunch. In fact, about a quarter, 25% of all the teachings of Jesus are about money. Why? Because he knows it's part of the fabric of our society and such a central part of our lives. And he doesn't want us to live, oh, we're going to make the free throw or not, because if we don't make it, we're probably going to lose. We're going to go under. We're going to just crash. He wants us to experience breathing room. And it's possible. It's possible to find yourself at the end of the month having spent less than you earn. It actually is possible, and it's a good good thing. It's this idea of having money available to help someone who is in need. Now, I don't really, you know, let's just take aside how much money you do have or don't have for just a minute. I think everybody in the room has helped somebody at some point, right? Like you've helped somebody. There is nothing like being able to help somebody, whether it's financial assistance or giving them your time or your, your ability to do something for them they cannot do for themselves. It's just a really awesome thing to be able to say, you know what, I've got what you need and I can give it because I have the capacity, I have the breathing room to give it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It could be this idea of having money available to purchase um, what you need when you need it. It's this idea of, you know, having the money to do things that you enjoy. And I want to catch this really quickly. When we talk, talk, start talking about money in church, I think a lot of people immediately think, well, they're going to say, I can't have fun stuff, and it's going to be boring, and it's going to be dry. And no, as we continue to talk, as we continue to look at Scripture, I want you to understand that God really wants you to enjoy what you have. Some of you have a lot of stuff right now, and you can't enjoy it because the whole time that you're riding on it or going away to do it, or in the back of your head, you're like, can I pay the credit card bills that I'm racking up while I am having this fun? God wants you to be at a place where you've got breathing room to go do those things and not have to worry and not to be caught in fear, but to truly enjoy those things. Let me give you some more ideas that come your way when you have breathing room financially, all right? Peace. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? Who doesn't want peace? I mean, who doesn't want world peace, right? I don't know if we can make that happen or not, but here's what I do know. If you will follow Jesus and do what he tells you to do, you can have a peace in your heart that passes all understanding. And that can apply to your life financially. A peace. When you think about your money, just to be able to like sit there in peace. Maybe you don't have all the world's wealth, but to have peace, there's just something about it. To have financial breathing room means the ability to nurture relationship with God and with your spouse and with others, because you're not worried about so many other things. Some of you come to church on Sunday, and you actually miss your opportunity to worship God 
Because in your mind, you are so worried right now about the bills that you are afraid you're not going to be able to pay that you it doesn't matter how good the music is, it doesn't matter how good the, the preaching is, it doesn't matter how good the fellowship is, you, you're, you're here but you miss it because you're not really here. Your mind's somewhere else trying to figure out some way to concoct this, this new way of paying this bill and you miss it completely. Some of you come to church and you're glad to be here, and you really want to give, but you just don't really want to think about the offering bucket passing because you want to give, but you're going to feel guilty because in your mind you don't have enough money to give, and so you don't know how to change anything. So like coming to church makes you feel guilty. We don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. He wants to free you. He wants to free you to have spare time and energy to handle inevitable issues and crisis. To have spare money available to be generous. To have mental space to relax and to be creative. Some of you, your minds never shut down because you're worried about the bills. You're at home and your mind's just going. You can't really lock in and have a good conversation with anybody, including your kids or your spouse, because you're just worried about how we're going to pay for this and how we're going to pay for that. It's just not a healthy place to be. So let's look a little bit more at God's Word. Some things, some principles, some teachings that he gives that I think are going to be so helpful to us as we think about financial stress and on the flip side of that, having financial breathing room. Look at Proverbs chapter 21, Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 20. Okay, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 20. All right, verse 20, the wise have wealth and luxury. Now, your mind's probably wanting to camp out right there and think about wealth and think about luxury and what that looks like for you. Okay, great, but don't miss where this is coming from and how you get to there, whatever there is. Okay? Again, the wise, say it with me, the wise, the wise have wealth and luxury. Look at the latter part of the verse. But fools spend whatever they get. We could say it this way. The wise have breathing room. Fools live paycheck to paycheck. Whoa, that like that that bother maybe a few people in the room, right? Maybe a lot of people in the room. It's a dangerous way to live and it's a foolish way to live. Notice it doesn't say the two income family have wealth and luxury. It says the wise have wealth and luxury. Notice it doesn't say the six-figure income families have wealth and luxury. It says the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Some of you think that if you had more money that you would have more money, but the reality is if you got more money, some of you in this room would just spend more money. That's all you would do. The wise have wealth and luxury Fools spend whatever they get. By the way, this whole idea of wisdom, it comes from God. The book of James makes it really clear as to how we get wisdom. It's not by experience and so many other things that you can you know, potentially get wisdom by. The book of James says, if you want the wisdom of God, ask for it. That's what James says. If you want wisdom, ask for it. And in that asking, there is a wholehearted commitment to do what God tells you to do before he tells you what to do. It's called faith. So if you want wisdom, you have to ask God for it. 
And you have to say, you know what, God, whatever you tell me to do that is wise, I will do it. And when we do that, he gives us wisdom. Some of you need financial wisdom right now. You need to talk to God. Some of you have told God that you need money, but you haven't talked to God about your money. You see the difference? You're like, God, what I need is more money. And he's like, I just want to tell you how to manage better what you already have. I want you to be wise with what you got. I want you to experience wisdom that comes by asking for it and then experience. So, so how do we get financial breathing room? Well, there's a couple of ways that can potentially bring that. One is that we can earn more. And the second is we can spend less. Now, which one do you have more control over? Earning more or spending less? Which one do you have more control over? Spending less. I mean, you can't walk in tomorrow and demand a raise. Like, you just can't do it. I mean, if you can, good for you. But most of us can't. You know, you can't just walk in tomorrow and earn more money and demand more money. But we do have the ability, the power to spend less. And that's where some of you are at right now. You don't need to earn more money as much as you just need to learn how to Discipline yourself to spend less. And that gives me the big idea that comes on the screen that I want you to put in your notes. And that is this. Perhaps we don't need more money. But we need more wisdom and discipline to ensure we use what God gives us for his glory. Make sure you fill that in. Think about that. Perhaps we don't need more money. But we need more wisdom and discipline to ensure that we use what God gives us for his glory. I want you to look a little bit more in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Back over in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 17, 18, and 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. Some more teaching about breathing room. Okay? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, teach those who are rich in this world. You're like, oh, this one isn't talking to me. I don't even have to listen, right? Like, teach those who are rich, man. They're talking to that other guy over there, man. They ain't talking to me. I just spent a week in Peru a couple of weeks ago. Let me just go ahead and clue you in. You are rich people. I was in a country where $38 a month can change a kid's life, okay? You are rich you are rich. Now, you may not be as rich as the guy living in the neighborhood across the way from you, but you are rich. You are blessed, okay? Here's what it says. Teach them who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Um, Proverbs that we were reading earlier, there's another passage in Proverbs that says, um, that money just takes up wings and it flies away. You ever had that experience? Like, I thought I had that. Like, what happened to it, you know? Um, my kids, i, I got to get on the same plan they are. They get a lot of money for Christmas and for their birthday. I don't know how that works. When I was growing up, I got, like, solid quarters from my grandparents. You know what I'm saying? That was a big deal. They get, like, big bills that come in. I'm like, good night. Anyway, and so they got all this money stacked up, you know, and they can tell you exactly how much they have. And, hey, we want to go do this. And, hey, we want to go do that. And then they want to do something else. And, like, well, wait a minute. I, don't, I, 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 thought, I thought I had enough money. What happened? What happened? It grew wings and it flew away. Same thing happens in adult world too, doesn't it? It just grows wings and it just flies away. It just goes. Money is unreliable. 
Economy can change like that. We can lose our job just like that. There's so many things that can affect us. Money is unreliable. Here's where it gets important. Look at me. Uh, Verse 17. Their trust, our trust, should be in who? God. Your confidence and your faith and your trust for your provisions should not be in your talents and your skills. It shouldn't be in your workplace, whatever the name of that is. Your workplace is not your provider. God may be choosing to use them, but God is your provider. Hear me, church. God is your provider. And for some of us, we're getting to the root of the issue right now because our issue is not a money issue. It is a trust issue. And we have chosen to place our faith and our trust financially in money or our job or this provider, whoever or whatever we think it is, rather than in the provider whose name is God. He is your provider. He is the one that you've got to trust. He's the one that you've got to rely upon. He's the one that you need to get your cues and your direction for when it comes to your finances. It says their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our what? For our what? Ah, so God doesn't want us to be miserable the rest of our lives. He actually wants us to enjoy things. God's not saying you can't have the toys anymore. God's just saying let's let's put some things off and maybe get rid of some things right now, get financially in order so that when you get the toys one day, you truly can enjoy them. God wants to get you to a place of peace. God wants to get you to a place of confidence in him. God wants to get you to a place that you can give and enjoy it. God wants to get you to a place where you can go to vacation and enjoy it and not be thinking about all those credit card bills while you're gone, right? Like to get home from vacation and be like, I'm okay to be home because like reality doesn't stink for me because reality is good because I made wise decisions long before I went on vacation and now I came back and I get to come back home to a wise setting and It was good to be gone, but it's good to be back, right? Like enjoyment is something God wants for us. It's part of his plan. It's part of his direction in our life. And again, major trust issue here. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Wow, less stress financially. How's that sound to you? Less stress financially. Be able to come to church, like the place where you ought to be able to worship Jesus and not be consumed with thinking about whether you can pay the bills, whether you can make the payment or not. And just like seeing about the freedom that we have in Jesus that's applying to every aspect of your life, how incredible that would be. To again, just spend time with family and be able to relax and enjoy what God has given to you. Look at verse number 18. Tell them, who, that's us, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. You can't share what you don't have. Agreed? If you don't have it, you can't share it. There are some of you in this room, you have a generous heart, and you can't be generous right now because you don't have anything to be generous with. Verse number 19, by doing this, 
They will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. True life. Jesus in the Gospels calls it the abundant life. Really living. When we find ourselves really following Jesus in every aspect of our lives, including our finances, which is what some of us have said, you know what, that's my department over there. God, you handle the whole forgiveness of sins thing and like the morality thing. Okay, I'll let you get into that. That, that took me a lot, but I'll trust you and I'll say, yeah, we'll go that way. But like financially, like this is mine. God, you can't touch this. No, God's like, I want you to experience the real life even in your finances. I want to transform every part of you. And if you think that your finances don't affect your life, your emotions and your relationships and, and everything about your, you, you, you don't understand how it works. It deeply affects everything about you. And God knows that's the reason why he speaks into it so often in scripture, because he knows that it affects us. And so he says, I want you to experience the real life. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, we want to encourage you to follow Jesus in every area of your life. Particularly over the next couple of weeks, we want to encourage you to follow Jesus in your finances, which will not be to your detriment. It will not be to your drudgery. It will ultimately lead to your enjoyment for the good and the glory of God. So will you trust him and say, God, you're my provider. Everything that I have has come from you, and everything that I have is yours, and it is for you. What do you want me to do with it? It's a huge thing that we have to come to in our lives. This is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to change our lives. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. And we do not want you to miss this. Listen, if you have never understood who Jesus is, and if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, the whole money conversation, that can come later. Listen, we want you to know that Jesus did die in your place for your sin. And he didn't stay dead, but he came back from the dead. So we, through him, can experience forgiveness of sins and our life being changed. We want you to experience the salvation that comes through Christ and through Christ alone. But listen to me, believers. Jesus didn't just die on the cross so your sins could be forgiven and then you just do life however you wanted to do, want to do it. He wants to affect every area of your life. Why? Because he cares for you and he loves you. It's the reason why he talks about money so much. In this, he'll give you this purpose and meaning that you're looking for. I want to give you five things that are quite practical for you to consider as must-dos to experience breathing room, Okay? Five things that you just got to do them to experience financial breathing room. Number one, talk to God. And if you'd say these back to me, that'd be great. Number one, talk to God. Say it. Talk to God. Don't just tell God you need more money, okay? That's great. That's wonderful. Go for it. Talk to God about what you already have. And say, God, what do you want me to do with what you've already blessed me with? Because the reality is, why would God give you more money if you're not willing to do with your money that he's already given you what he's leading you to do, you got to have a conversation with God. you got to start talking to him. You need to break away, get some breathing room and say, God, what do I need to do? Number two, trust God. Say that for me. Some of you need to trust God with your money. You just say, God, it's yours. 
It's not mine. Thanks for allowing me to enjoy all of it and to experience all of it, but I'm trusting you. You're my provider. You're the one who blesses me. What do you want me to do? Number three, set a budget. Everybody say it. Set a budget. Number four, very important, stay on a budget. Everybody say it. How many of you have set a budget, but you didn't stay on a budget? Anybody? Yeah. Doesn't do any good to set it if you don't stay on it. It just doesn't work. I, I, I think that Proverbs says that lands in the area of foolishness. Okay? A wise person experiences luxury and wealth. A foolish person, what? Spends all they make. Okay, so stay on a budget. Number five, be generous. Go ahead. Be generous. Be generous. And I don't know what that looks like for you or the person sitting in front of you or behind you, but like God's stirring something up right now for generosity because it's a grand and glorious and joyful way to live. i got a question that I want to throw on the screen. I think it's in your notes of blanks you can fill in. And this is a question I want you to wrestle with all week long, and I want you to pose it to God. I'd love for you to say to yourself right now, you know what, I'm going to ask God this question every day this week because I don't know how he's going to answer this for you. He's going to answer this differently for you than he is the person behind you or in front of you. But here's the question. God, how would you have me manage the resources that you entrust to my care? Now, with that question, you're, kind of, you're, you're making a statement, okay? You're, you're saying one of faith, like, God, you're my provider. God, you are the one that blesses me. They're your resources. I trust you. But, God, how would you have me manage the resources that you entrust to my care? I think it would be an awesome question for you to wrestle with and ask God over and over again this week. Because, again, I think he's going to say some things to you that are going to be very specific, going to be very life-changing, going to be very life-altering if you'll ask him this question and you'll be willing to receive his answer and start applying it to your life. And here's what I know. Every time we talk about money in church, people get a little bit nervous, okay? One, they think the church is broke. We're not. Uh, people think, well, we just want you to give more. Well, we do, but not for the reasons you probably think. We just want you to experience what God's got for you. So that's the whole generosity thing. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But people get really nervous because it gets really personal. Um, people want to, you know, like kind of hide this whole thing and act like everything's okay, but some of you are to the point where you're like, I don't want to hide anymore, and I need some practical stuff in my life. I really need to go further than this. Today was good. It got my heart stirring. But I need to take this a step further. I need some in-depth help financially. Well, we've got a class that's going to be starting soon. We haven't got all the dates together, but it's going to be starting soon. We've offered it before. It's called Financial Peace University, and it's a nine-week course. It will speak into every aspect of your finances. And if you're in debt right now, up to your eyeballs, this would be a great class for you. If you're out of debt, this would be a great class for you. If you're trying to figure out retirement, this would be a great class for you. Any aspect of finances, this is going to cover it. And it's going to give you a biblical perspective, and it's going to pour into some of these areas. So maybe you're like, I don't even know how to set a budget. This is going to help you learn how to set a budget. Maybe you're like, I don't know how to stay on a budget. This is going to help you have the accountability that you need to stay on a budget. And so that's going to be coming, and so maybe for 
for you right now, you're like, yep, that's exactly what I need. Well, stay tuned. We're going to give you dates and all of that because we want you to be a part of Financial Peace University. Well, as we wrap this up, I want to give you some next steps. The first next step that you see on your notes and that you're going to see on the screen is a, it's a, it's a blank. Okay, it's just a blank. I don't know what your next step is, but I want to give you some thoughts and some ideas to consider. Maybe you need to do one of the five things that we suggested to have some breathing room. Maybe you need to talk to God. Like you need to have your first conversation ever or in a long time to God about the money and the provisions that he has blessed you with. And you just need to get alone and get away and say, God, here I am. I don't know what to do. Or God, here I am. I've blown it big time. Or God, I've been foolish. Or God, I just I, I want I want some direction. I want some wisdom. Talk to God. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is to trust God. Maybe you just need to say, you know what, God, you are my provider. And it is yours. And I'm going to trust you. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Now, it's going to be challenging, but I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it when you take that huge step. Maybe for some of you, your next step is to set a budget. Like, you're just not telling your money where to go, and it's going everywhere, right? It's going. You need to set a budget. Or maybe you need to stay on a budget. Maybe you need to dust that thing off that you made. It was all nice. It was neat. You did a great job, but you're not following it. You need to pull it out and put it into action. And maybe the fifth thing that we talked about, maybe God's just, you know, saying you need to be generous. And you need to say, you know what, my next step is just to figure out how to be generous. And or maybe your next step is just to say, you know what, Financial Peace University, that, that's where I need to be. I need to spend nine weeks, and I need to get intentional about this. I need some people to speak wisdom and speak the Word of God into me and figure this out for me and my family and to go through this and to experience it. And then the next step on there, because it's the biggest one, if you haven't taken it, and that is to trust God with your life, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If there's one thing I want you to know, it's this church is not about money. This church is about Jesus, okay? And Jesus is about you, and he wants your sins to be forgiven, and he wants you to be right with God. He wants you to have a house that's paid for. It's called a mansion. <laughs> Payments have already been made. Guess how much it cost? The blood of Jesus Christ. He wants to spend forever with you. And when you're able to, to declare yourself as a child of God because he's forgiven you, as we sang about earlier, then he wants to work in every area of your life. He wants to talk about money with you because that's a big deal in your life. He wants to help you in your marriage. He wants to help you in everyday life because he cares about you. But it begins with trusting God with your life to allow Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together.